a streetcar named Rejection, the podcast that explores the business side of show business. I'm Andrew L. Ricci. And I'm Catherine Mullins. And today we're discussing queer art and casting. Today we are joined by two lovely people. Ooh. Hello, hello. First time hello. having two hello. guests. This is the first time we have two guests. How do you feel? Wonderful. Honored. So lucky. Honored. <laughs> Thank you for having us. <laughs> okay, well... Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourselves? Yes. Sure. Um, my name is John Anthony Lafredo. I am an actor and a writer. I graduated from NYU Tisch in 2017. I studied at the Atlantic Theater Company, then did a semester abroad at RADA, which I know Ooh. Andrew did as well. Um, and now I write, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. Um, He's a very good writer. I also draw, making a graphic novel, and I act. I did not know that. That's so yeah. cool. He's really good. He's really good. Can you teach me how to draw? Because I can do a stick figure, but that's about it. Uh, that's what I can we'll do. See. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> All right, Piera. Cool. Um, I'm Piera Vanderweel. I'm also a recent grad from Tisch School of the Arts. I also studied at the Atlantic and Stone Street Studios. Hey. Um, I'm an actor singer and producer i was most recently seen in the classical theater of harlem's the three musketeers you as my lady de winter you were in that yes. i did not know that you were I in that i played the very evil wonderful woman she was fantastic um a guy named anthony merchant maybe he's I amazing he, i don't know his last name there was a there was a gentleman called anthony who i believe the three musketeers does he do a lot of stuff with Shakespeare in the Square? All the time. Oh my God, he's he an incredible King actor. Louis. He's a very good actor. He, oh, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's very good. So that was the most, anyway. most recent production that I was in, which was an amazing experience. Absolutely loved it oh, up in I Harlem. Love that. And um, as for my singing, I'm releasing a single in the next couple of months. What? That is insane. It's a jazz standard. Um, I'm really excited. Really, really excited. And as for producing, I recently was a production assistant for a new short film for Fox. What? I've done some work with BAFTA and also the Princess Grace Foundation. That's amazing. What yes. are you doing with your life, Catherine? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you're doing one of those podcasts. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, so we have you two on because you also know each other because you are actually you describe your roles in it, but you have a company. You formed a company. Uh, centered around queer art. Can you guys tell us a little about that? We do. Um, it's called Here Artists Collective. Um, I'm one of the co-founders, as well as John Anthony, mm-hmm. and also Jennifer Parkhill. Yes. yes. Who could not be here today. Unfortunately yes. not. But Unfortunately she'll be here not. one day. She'll be here one day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. Absolutely. We are currently raising funds for a production called Paramore, which was written by John Anthony. Yes. So it's our inaugural production. Um here artist collective it's um a collective that aims to champion queer voices in the arts um the play paramore i wrote um it's in three parts it's three separate one acts that tell one story um and it's an lgbtq love story it it tackles questions about what it's like to fall in love um with the same sex certain things that are the same as falling in love as anybody else, the universal aspects of falling in love. And then also parts of falling in love when you're gay that are different and things 
that challenges that will arise and certain things like that. And it's um, all heightened language. So we really uh, believe that representation matters, but it is twofold because for too long, um, queer stories, they've they've lived on the periphery of narratives explored on stage and also in film. And yeah, it's just it's not enough to just tell the stories of, of queer individuals. It's really imperative that we're included in the creation of them. Absolutely. Which is why we why, why we started we as collective. It. That is why we did it. So, okay, so you guys haven't actually uh, put up a full produced production, but what happened two nights Not ago? Not yet. Well, we had... Because uh, I was there. You yeah. were indeed. This. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> was I wasn't there and I wonderful. feel totally left out uh, right that's now. That's okay. You'll, you'll hear the description. <laughs> must have gotten lost in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell us what happened two days ago. Of course, we had our AEA, so our equity approved stage reading with our wonderful cast mm-hmm. of actors. Um, and also we had our reader and a wonderful cellist. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was an, it was a wonderful experience. It was awesome. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was a staged reading of the play. So we're currently raising funds, as Pierre said, to mount a full production. So please follow our Indiegogo campaign. Yes, Paramore, <laughs> playing three parts. Um, How do you get to the Indiegogo campaign? Oh, it's on our Facebook page, uh, my Instagram. Amazing. It's, you can just Google it. Paramore. Social media, you will find it. Yeah, Great. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, and we'll post it in the show notes and on our on our Instagram post Thank as well. Thank you very much. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> but... Um, on Monday night, the stage reading, it was great. We did it at Alchemical Theater. I love their spaces. Alchemical mm-hmm. Studios. We did they it at have, the Theater yeah. Lab there, which is a really fantastic space. They've got mm-hmm. great spaces if anybody's ever looking for like a really nice, clean... All their spaces are all white, so it has like a very simple aesthetic, but it looks mm-hmm. professional. Is it just one floor, or is the floor above? Uh, no, the second floor is where we did our stage reading in the lab space, and then they have the third floor, which has... Um, rehearsal spaces. Rehearsal space. Well, we did quite a lot of our rehearsals there. Gotcha. Which a was black great. box, which is really a white box because it's all white, but it's like a, mm-hmm. a space with no windows and mm-hmm. people do lots of shows in there. What was really lovely is we had about 60 attendees and we had such positive feedback from the audience. Mm-hmm. They were so, um, they were, they were surprised of how little rehearsal that we had. And they're so excited to see where it goes from, from there. Yeah. Cause if you're doing an AA approved reading it's a 29 hour reading which means that you can only rehearse if there's uh equity members in your cast the equity members can only rehearse um 20 a total of 29 hours which includes which includes there were four actors who are part of our cast we were way under 29 hours because we only rehearsed each cast member had two rehearsals and one full read through so we are way under 29 hours, but um, that is the rule. So <laughs> you guys are doing that. So that's what we did. If you were over, would you have told us? No. Yeah. I, I would have lied too. I would have been like, but, yeah, we just made it to 29 hours. <laughs> Equity. Truthfully, I mean, we would love to have more rehearsals, but it's a cost because we have to pay for rehearsal space. Right. And, Which is mm-hmm. all coming from our funds, et cetera, that we're getting from the campaign. In 2018, what made you, or no, because you guys formed this in 2017, technically. Yes? Well, we started chatting about it in 2017. We but did. But we didn't officially launch until the beginning John of this Anthony year. John Anthony came to me and he said, I've written a play. And originally it was just, he just had this one, one act and he just said, I want you to produce this. And he told me what it was about. And I immediately knew that I wanted to work with him. And as soon as I read his words, they were so beautiful that Mm -hmm. I I absolutely wanted to work with you. Sorry. I'm I'm just curious. What was it that appealed to you about 
the was it the idea that you heard first and then you read the piece is it, um or did he show did he give you the work um i believe we were actually sitting in penny farthing having brunch after a long time of not seeing each other and yes, we i were. told her i'd written this play and i think i briefly told her what it was about and she's like send it to me i'd love to read it i so read of it course and I did. probably like within the same day i was like Absolutely, because his words are so beautiful. They're poetic. It's heightened language, and he's bringing he's bringing romance to queer stories, and it's mm-hmm. it's so needed. I believe at the moment. Speaking of that, was there something in after graduating, just the climate of whether the social political climate of two thousand seventeen that you thought this needs to happen now? Was there anything specific or? have you always wanted to form a theater company or what, what is there anything specific that you have thought, you know, there just needs to be more representation within queer art. Well, yes, there definitely does. Um, but specifically with this, I guess once I graduated school, um, I went to school for acting, as I said, but what I've realized since graduating, yes, I love to act. I was in this play as well that I wrote. Um, but what's more important to me is getting my message out there and making change and improving our, our world. And as Pierre had mentioned, one of my missions as an artist is to bring romance to queer stories. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did with this play. Um, I want to carry out that mission in everything that I do. That may come up um, in acting. It may come up in writing. It may come up in something else I don't know yet. But mm-hmm. that's what my ultimate goal is. So that's what led me to write this play and then expand it to a full length play and then uh, really wanting to get it produced. And Jen, who's not with us today, but she's a, the third co-founder of here. Um, she suggested that we form a company because yes. we all had very common ideas about representation, mm. that there needed to be more of it, that queer art needs to be made by queer artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that doesn't really happen a lot. It's uh, true. I mean, we were we were sitting around, we were having a conversation, all of us together, and we were focusing on the play. We were focusing on the play of Paramore. And then it just came to our attention that this isn't the only piece that we want to be doing. We want to have some longevity and come back with new works and new artists and and bring the queer message to to more and more people. And that's gonna happen by us doing the work together. Yeah. I'm curious if there is a place for those within either your company or this 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 world that you're starting to really establish and create uh, uh, for those who don't identify as queer or is it right now? Like, I, I love that it's just like uh, three people who are on the same page wanting to bring these stories to light. Um, where do those non queer identifying mm-hmm. people fit into yours? Have you figured that out yet? Or is that still something you think about? Is it something you think about? It is something we think about because we don't want to exclude people um, because so much about being queer is being (laughs) excluded from certain aspects of society. Um, So, no, we don't want to exclude people. The emphasis and the focus is on championing queer artists. And there are a lot of queer artists that just don't get opportunities as often as uh, heterosexual artists do so we would like to give those people the opportunity first but we would never uh turn down help or 
people who Absolutely are interested not. It's, it's in supporting isn't it? us. Yeah. It's inclusion. Of course. Like Catherine did help us out. Uh, she did. Was she was a our wonderful reader for our audition. For our casting process. And it was fantastic. I was. Of course. I actually talked about being a reader on this podcast. Right. Yeah. It was amazing. I, I really learned so much from that experience. I didn't necessarily mean performing in the work. I really meant, um, like working with the company. And mm. I mean, cause I know personally, I feel like spending a couple weeks or a couple months working with, with you to produce a play like this, I would learn so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it's just, I think that's something that we all need to just like, just broaden our horizons. I think the more people that are passionate about our mission as a company and want to be included in the process of it to learn or to mm -hmm. move forward creatively or I don't know, in their business life or anything like that, we would absolutely yeah, have them. Regardless absolutely. of how you identify. Yeah, of course. Anyone who wants to support what we're doing, we'd love to have them. Yeah. Um, okay, so speaking of process, what was the casting process like for you guys? How, as you have mentioned, um, bringing queer artists to queer work is essential in this process, or again, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I would love to know more about the casting process because I think something yeah, definitely course. in conversation right now not only in the theater wor world, but the film world um, is about casting. And there's these lines now of, you know, casting actors and how similar their background or their essence of being has to be to that character. And I'm curious what you would like to say about the casting process and how, um, what was your casting call? Like what, sure. how do you ask for actors to come in, etc. Um, and uh, also let me know if that was a confusing way of asking that question. No, it was just a two minute long question. You know what? <laughs> uh, I know. For specificity. Um, well, first I'd like to just touch on my philosophy with casting and LGBTQ people. Um, so, a little statistic for you guys, which I got from the ad, an article in The Advocate I read. It was written last year when Moonlight was, you know, nominated for an Oscar right before the Oscars. Mm. Um, and they were discussing LGBTQ casting, specifically in LGBTQ films, because no openly gay actor has ever won Best Actor at the Oscars. Um, there's been a couple that have come out after the fact, but like they weren't out for their career. Whereas um, I believe it's 11 uh, straight actors have won Oscars for playing gay characters and over 50 uh, straight actors have been nominated for playing gay characters. And when you look at that st statistic, there is just a huge disparity in representation. And it's really telling to me because I have to ask, why are, are queer actors not being included in our own narratives? Why is that? I think that the film industry still is a little bit further behind than where we're at in society tends to be a little bit more heteronormative um and you know queer queer actors are oftentimes left out and so something that we tried to do when we were casting our project was create a space that would welcome lgbtq actors like specifically welcome them so that they'd know that this was a space that they could come into and be themselves and that their sexuality wouldn't be something that would deter us from casting them. So in the casting call, we wrote specifically, um, 
we're specifically interested in casting LGBTQ, LGBTQ. actors, exactly. but all are welcome to submit. Because again, we're not trying to um, exclude anybody. We're just trying to make queer people feel welcome in the room. Mm-hmm. But what was so lovely is, I mean, we put out this casting call via, via email blasts backstage. Um, the fact that a lot of the the actors who joined our cast actually do identify as gay. Mm-hmm. But it was never, you know, it was never discussed in the casting process because that's... But I'm curious, because again, when you look at films like what you were just talking about, or, or just in theater pieces as well, um, plays, um, I'm curious, and I've always wondered, you know, do you think the casting ever, the casting directors or um, the directors, etc., ever say to them, say to the actors, are you this and no. and did no. you, do you no, think no, no, did, did you ever consider asking I that? Worked, I worked in a casting company um here in New York and also in London and that's you know that's clearly it's personal information mm-hmm. that you don't have to disclose mm-hmm. so if it's if it's in the if it's in the breakdown then you know, gay actors, they can come forward for the role, etc. or their agent can put them forward. So you would say that... But it's, ne- it's is- not necessarily a question that has to be answered. So you would probably, again, correct me if I'm wrong, you would say the onus or the responsibility is more on the actor than it is the casting director. I would say yes, but both play a part. Right. So my philosophy is the actor... If you want to see more gay actors on screen in gay roles... Uh, then it has to be up to the actor to, you know, be a little bit open about their sexuality, which to some may seem unfair because that's a private matter and that straight people aren't expected to go around saying I'm straight all the time. Um, But unfortunately, when you're part of a minority group in terms of representation and visibility, it requires you to be open about these kinds of things because if you're not you know being gay or being queer isn't necessarily something that's visible to people without you naming it all the time so it's something it's a unique situation and so it's something that i think queer actors have to think about if they want more representation in the industry i just Mm -hmm. want to bring up production element Mm -hmm. um one of my favorite films is carol and it was produced by christine vachon who is an openly gay woman with her company, Killer Films Production. Mm -hmm. And yes, I know that Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara... I've met her. She's wonderful. She came and spoke to an NYU class of mine. She's a wonderful person. I mean, I worked for a Fusion Film Festival. I was Mm -hmm. the Mm co-director. And one year we decided that she would be the woman of the year. And she came in and she spoke. That was the year that Carol came out. And she spoke about queer arts and representation. And the question was asked, why was Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara cast when they don't necessarily identify as gay? And she said, they were right for the part. That's all she said. That's all she said. And that was interesting to me because I loved the film so much and it didn't necessarily matter to me that they weren't gay. They had this chemistry and this romance that was so beautiful that I was just thankful for her and killer films. Mm -hmm. The fact that they found the money and the support to put this film up. Interesting. So do you think it may depend like on performance by performance? For example, I'm seeing angels in America in three weeks and I think it comes down to performance. I do. You do. Interesting. 
Um, I, I, do, I love do, this kind of conversation. Like, yeah, but, really no, but they are they're advocates for their arts. I'm, Both I'm, of them are. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. I'm curious if the mission out you there. felt that there was enough representation, and I don't know if enough is the right word, but um, there was sufficient representation because it was produced by that specific production company. It was uh, spearheaded by that woman. That's how I felt because Killerphone Productions they produce a lot of. Queer art stories. Mm-hmm. They and did. That's very they did important. Boys don't cry. They also did Boys Don't Cry with Hillary Swank. Yes, very good. So movie. this is my thoughts on the matter. Um, I agree with Piera. You have to be grateful that the story is being told in the first place. That a queer story is being told. That's a, a you know got such big name stars. A lot of people are going to see it. That's a good thing for representation. But you have to ask also, you know were these women cast in this film because there aren't enough openly gay women of clout in in the film industry that, that they could very choose true. that, is so that would true. get them yes. the money to do yes. the movie. The answer I have is no, there are not. And then you have to say, but mm-hmm. why is that the case? Why are there not enough openly gay women in film to make this movie with two openly gay women? And I think that's because of several different things. There, also society. Society, yeah. yeah. And, and there could be tons of gay women in Hollywood. Maybe there are some famous ones that we just don't know because they choose to live their lives privately. They choose to not reveal that part of themselves. Mm-hmm. It could also be because, you know, people just keep that private. And especially when you're starting out as a young actor, you don't want to be pigeonholed. You don't want people to think of you, oh, you're gay, so you'll only ever play gay characters. So you just keep quiet about things like that. Um, and I think that's a problem. It's kind of like, it's kind of like don't ask, don't tell, you know? It's okay for you to serve in the military if you're gay. Just don't let us know about it. And and it's similar in the sense that it's okay if you're gay, but, you know, maybe just keep it a little quiet as to not hurt your career or as to not shape your career so that you'll only be playing gay characters. I think it's really important that we give the space to young um, up-and-coming actors that are openly gay, give them the space to talk about their sexuality mm-hmm. and to have it be a facet of who they are. And that doesn't mean that's all that they are. That doesn't mean that they should only ever be playing queer characters. Mm-hmm. You know, just see them as a person. But to have that kind of not be part of the picture just doesn't feel right to me. No, that's right. They need to get out there and they need to tell their stories. They need to be represented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One last question for you guys, and then we'll get starting back on talking about the play and casting, etc. Uh, for Paramore. But a uh, question I've talked with a bunch of people about is, you know, in regards to, you know, Milk, Carol, uh, Moonlight, really big budget films, is do you think it's almost a... Uh, the ends justify the means as in with really big budget films, they are probably not like realistically. Um, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. They're probably not realistically not going to cast like a totally unknown, um, uh, actor, um, to play who, who is out. What I mean, they want to out. get traction. Exactly. And cause they, they want these stories to be told, which, and I would say, I and they I, want a wider audience. For exactly. Them. Exactly. And I'd say that I thought, I mean, I mean, any of these films I just mentioned, uh, I'm sh- sure and uh, inspired a ton of people who possibly would say, oh, I want to make art like that because I identify as this, you know? And so I'd say, would you say that it they want these movies to be made and have a wider audience so they hire stars that may not identify that but get the movie made? Or do you think it is that that 
we just shouldn't make those movies and no 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 no, no, but, no, no I'm not saying okay. the movie should be made but they should really search for people who are unknown but then not have a, as like wider of an audience what I believe is that in order to raise the funds it always helps to have a celebrity attached to the film mm-hmm. totally. absolutely yeah, you because you're going to get a wide and distribution everything like that so more people are going to see it which yeah. is what you want you want your message to be to be shown mm-hmm. to many many people and I think to have a celebrity is not a bad thing to cast them. To cast them, that's fine. But I think finding an unknown, openly gay man or or woman would be fantastic. You just have to pair it together. You don't necessarily right. have to have two massive celebs. Yes. Yeah, that's what that's what I think. Um, a, a movie this year that did a great job with it, I thought, was the Florida Project because they oh, found that was a fa- that was a really they good found film. they found a name with Willem Dafoe, but then they found other now this doesn't, of course, relate directly to, to queer to art. Queer art but, but, um, but when it comes to casting, like they found a name and then they found all the other uh, lead and supporting characters were virtually... I loved that because annoying. there were new presences and energies. Yeah. It was something new. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't recognize this person. And so they you were also Google them. from that world. Yes. Uh, several of the children and I'm not so sure about Bria, but uh, a lot of the children I know so, were cast in like a target. Ne- anyway, getting continue. back to your question. Yeah. Um, definitely. It's important that the movie gets made. We want people to see the stories. We want people to see stories about queer people. Of course. Um, and it goes back to the fact that, yeah, cast a celebrity for uh, big budget movies to get traction, to get money, to get support. But that leads me back to my question. Why aren't there openly, openly gay celebrities? Right, exactly. Why aren't there enough of enough openly gay celebrities to choose from for these parts? There aren't. It's because we're not championing young, openly queer actors to feel like they can be openly queer and still have a successful career. The one that comes to me like immediately off my head is Ellen Page. She's awesome. I love her. Um, back, just back to your question a little bit and kind of back to what Pierre was saying, choose one celebrity and then get an openly gay unknown person. Perfect example. Call me by your name. Missed opportunity. In my opinion, I think Timothy Chalamet does a great job in the film. He's a really good actor, but I feel that you know, he was relatively unknown until this year with lady bird with call me by your name. He had done some stuff previously as well. But Army Hammer was the name, so to speak, for that film, and I'm sure is what secures some sort of funding for the film. But it, it was an opportunity where they could have gotten an openly gay young actor to play Timothy Chalamet's part. Um, and that could have been a big step towards representation, a big move in, t- in terms of saying, let's give this openly queer kid an opportunity to play an openly queer, well, not necessarily openly, kind of, you have to see the film, but, yeah. you know, um, queer kid. And what what an opportunity opportunity that would be. Because even if you are an openly queer actor, there aren't necessarily openly, or there aren't necessarily queer parts you're going to be playing all the time in, in film, in theater. So it's a rare opportunity, a rare opportunity to kind of showcase yourself in a way that is true to yourself an opportunity you don't always get yeah because at the end of the day it shouldn't matter what an actor's sexuality is either way to play either part the reason that it's important for me to me for um openly queer actors to portray queer characters right now 
is because the scale's so uneven that it's so much harder for an openly queer actor to be successful as an actor. Um, so once things are even, let's say there's equal representation or just more representation, it shouldn't matter. It should be best actor for the part, regardless of how they identify. But that should go both ways. So for Absolutely. straight characters, like it shouldn't just be straight people playing them. And I know that doesn't always happen, of course. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And also behind the scenes, as in oh, totally. director, writer. Producer. Yeah. Like, cinematographer, th- all that. Do you think that we're slowly getting there? Oh, yeah. We're I definitely, so. yeah. First, Steps are being made. Yes. I mean, <laughs> so Moonlight, Moonlight was huge. I mean, we don't know. For the most part, as far as we know, the actors in Moonlight were straight identifying. Um but the movie was beautiful and it told an amazing mm. story yeah. and it, it, did. it absolutely needed to be out there. I'm not mad that there weren't queer actors in that film. It would have been fantastic if there were, but the story is what's important. And it reached a ton of people, you know, one best picture at the Oscars. That's a huge moment for representation and visibility. I love that movie. So, so good. It's, amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Again. And how many people watch that? Millions. Tons, the tons. reach was huge. Yeah. And if they it's didn't awesome. win the Oscar, it wouldn't have reached as many people. Even because more people. And yeah. release. And I'll also add that um, had that whole situation with the Best Picture Oscar not happened, I feel like they got an even bigger boost from that. It was, of course, unfortunate that they didn't get the direct win of mm-hmm. just like you won Best Picture. Um, I hope they address it at the Oscars this year. But... I I feel like that controversy reached more people who didn't necessarily care to watch the Oscars. Oh, I did. Opposite. No, no, no. That's what I, I mean. I I agree with what Andrew was saying. Oh, I, I heard... the fact that they said, you know, that it wasn't them who won it, everyone was like celebrating. And suddenly, like, wait, what? Everyone was sitting on their sofa. Well, my friends and I were sitting <laughs> on our Me sofa. Too, yeah. um, but there were there were articles that came out, and as you said, more people then sort of looked into it. Yeah. Oh, what was I heard the exact opposite. I didn't hear that. I was uh, just thinking. Yeah, I had, a, I had several um, actor friends of mine say that they thought because that happened, they had to split the spotlight with La La Land. This is not what this podcast is <laughs> to be, but these are just food for thought. Yeah. Um, We're talking about Quero. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love talking about this stuff because I think it is such an important issue and no clear... I mean, I mean, as in, there are so many people have so many different opinions about this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so glad we're talking about this. So back to um, casting for Paramore, your play. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, once you cast it, I'm curious just now back to uh, starting companies as young actors um, uh, or young producers, writers, etc., how did you go about finding space and how did you go about funding, finding space, that kind of thing, like logistical wise for your stage reading? I mean, the first thought was money, right? Okay. How do we find the cheapest <laughs> yeah. space, but something's going to actually work for us? Something that's also professional because exactly. we, have- we don't want like a, something crazy happening next door as we're trying to do the work. Uh, so we found, we found our chemical and the number of times we used it, was I mean it was a great great number. We also used Atlantic some of their space, which was really great because we have their alumni rate. 
Oh, that's great. They give you a discounted rate. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. I mean, as any young actor, artist in New York City knows, space is always an issue. It's an issue. But it's wonderful to have their support and the space available to us. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just got to be creative about where you find space in the city. And, you know, depending on what you're doing, there are different spaces that will accommodate you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was important to us to find something affordable because we're just starting out as a company. We're raising funds currently, um, but yet professional because we've got AEA actors in this staged reading who are kind enough to be a part of it and gracious exactly. enough and you, to give us their you've time. Got to, you've got to follow all the guidelines, et cetera. And I dealt with a lot of, I dealt with all of the equity, equity rules, et cetera. And it went, it was really smooth. It went really, really smoothly. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that they were all comfortable and happy with the situation. But you know what was absolutely wonderful? They were so passionate and in love mm. with your words and the play and sort of all of us as a group that they brought so much themselves to them. And it was wonderful to have equity actors as a part of the reading. That really was wonderful. Super great. And just to touch, uh, like harken back to something you had mentioned before about um including people who may not be queer in our company and in certain aspects. Not everybody in our cast was oh, no, uh, queer not. identifying. There was a mixture of people in the room. But they're allies. Yeah, exactly. They're allies. And for, we had our first rehearsal. It was a full read through of the play, which took about an hour and change. And then we had two yep. hours left and we talked the whole time about the play, queer about arts. queer art, <laughs> about identity, about... That's so many different things. There's an older gentleman in our play um, named, and Charles. He's named Charles. He's he's awesome. Um, and he was talking about like the civil rights movement and like what was going on then. And like, why? It was wonderful. It Did was you guys really... record this? No, no, I wish. No, it was oh. an amazing, amazing conversation. What's so lovely is that it's a multi-generational story. Yeah. So to have all these different generations in one room. It was phenomenal. Oh, so many that different, sounds fantastic. So many different yeah. things. And again, like we want to invite people who aren't queer as well to be in on these conversations because we're not just like shouting into an echo chamber. Of course, there's so much value in, in being in a room with all queer people when you're queer and, you know, talking about queer issues and and sharing similar experiences and things like that yeah but it's we want to share these thoughts with people that haven't experienced it and we want to hear what they have to say because what's the point you know you have to share that's that's why the art's being made in the first place we're not we're not hoping that only queer people will come to this performance (laughs) of course not we want anybody and everybody to come see it so that they can be part of the conversation think about things and think about the things that we think about on a daily basis. Absolutely. Um, Speaking about inviting people into a conversation, um, how would you guys have any advice for people who are not, and I have to say like a quite in general liberal area, like New York city, Mm -hmm. anybody, you know, uh, in in other places in more rural areas that um, may not have as many uh, queer activists, artists, et cetera, in their community. Do you have any advice for them or just because, um, I, I do think while, you know, films have a much, uh, you know, especially, you know, like big budget films have a much wider, you know, nationwide international release. But when you're in just, you know, by yourself or, or just a, you and a couple other people in a small town or in a community that uh, maybe doesn't have a lot of people that you can maybe look up to and maybe New York City feels really far away or someplace that it has more queer artists, what would you say to those people? I believe that... Your their allies are art. So it could be literature, it could be a book, 
it could be a film it could be a podcast i mean i mean i know that's very 21st century etc no no but i think that that's what makes you discover yourself and especially as you said if there's in somewhere rural and they don't have that sort of support network they can find that support within the store within stories mm. mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's hard it's hard for me to say what the advice could be because i was fortunate i grew up in a fairly liberal area and now i live in a like one of the most liberal places in the world uh new york city and even still growing up in a liberal area you still come up against challenges with your identity even if the the surrounding area is super accepting so i can only imagine how much more difficult it would be in certain places mm-hmm. in this country where you know you don't have the same kind of support system and unfortunately like plays like we're producing in new york city are only going to be seen by people in new york city no. access. i would love like i mean like i'm from the south that the reason i ask is because like i'm from the south i don't see I, I, I wish there were more things like this happening. I mean, hey, if we got a ton of money, I'd love to go on tour with the play. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> oh my no, God, seriously. Seriously, it would be so valuable to bring it to other places where people don't share these Yeah, opinions. to have those discussions, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why this is, like, why it's more... Getting my message out there is more important to me than just being an actor. For me, it, it doesn't always give me the opportunity to get out what I want to get out, which is why I write, which is why I'm making this graphic novel, which is about, it's a coming of age, uh, queer story, um, about a boy falling in love for the first time. And like, it's with all the, um, internal thoughts that go on in your mind when you're falling in love for the first time, which anyone can relate to, but it's specifically queer and things like that. If it were to get published one day, which is the goal Hopefully somebody in middle America will be able to pick it up and read it, you know, and, and, and see, oh, wow, I've had thoughts like that too. So that is like normal that it, someone else like that goes through yeah, their mind as well. Yeah. And that's something that can reach everyone other can relate. people, everyone you know, can relate. Yeah. And so that's why I like to do different kinds of things because likely my play will just reach New York City audiences, which would be a blessing in and of itself. Yeah. But there are other people in this country. The country's a big place. And, um, you know, I'd love for a young queer kid in middle America to be able to feel happy and comfortable and, and question their identity in a safe way and, and a way that, you know, fulfills them. So I think queer art needs to be at every um outlet you know we should we need some queer picture books for children right and then they need to be in every bookstore yeah of course and i was talking to someone else someone about this today um the queer picture books like uh, a prince and a prince or princess and a princess or screw the royalty thing and just like have a queer picture book (laughs) like whatever so little queer kids can see oh that's me that's me straight kids can see oh look at these people they're different than me but we're and all that's kind okay. of the same yeah yeah you know? it's part of and a child's story right yeah, and, and then these kids oh, these kids that are not gay that are not queer that are not of the lgbtq community will gain some sort of understanding of what it is exactly. at a young age so that when these queer kids are coming of age and figuring out their identity it's obviously a very like fraught time and a sensitive time Maybe those kids that are straight will 
have that understanding and you know be kinder to them and mm. and not say oh that's weird and that's stupid or that's bad that you know you might like boys you might like girls instead they'll be like oh that's what they are I, I remember reading about this when i was a kid you know we have to introduce this as young as possible yeah wow okay um well thank you both so much for being here and we just have Two more questions and artistic inspiration, then you're done. I know that you are going to put up a full production of Paramore, but I'm curious, just is there anything else on the horizon for Hear Artists Collective or for you two personally? Is there anything coming up recently? Um, I mean, coming up soon that we can catch you guys in or anything like that? Sure. Um, as you said, we're working real hard to get this production mounted this spring, maybe early summer of Absolutely. this year. That's um, our goal. That is our goal. And for the company itself, we call ourselves here Artist Collective because we didn't want to limit ourselves just to theater. We have many different interests. Pira sings, she produces, I draw, I write. Uh, Jen is a filmmaker, she writes as well. So we want to uh, keep ourselves open to a ton of different mediums. We want to cover all mediums, exactly. So get queer artists involved at Amazing. every different level. And what we would also love is that is for people to come to us as a collective with their stories to be told. Yes. So we can produce and put up their stories. Absolutely. Amazing. We want involvement. So um, everybody can find Your Artist Collective on Facebook. Yes, they can. And where can they find you two personally? Uh, my Instagram is at Pierre Vanderweel. Can you spell that for us? You can spell it. Yeah, you can spell it. I will spell it for you. Thank you. (laughs) Great. So it's P-I-E-R-A Vanderweel V-A-N-D-E-W-I-E-L Wonderful. Mm. And John Anthony, do you have an Instagram? I do have an Instagram. It is underscore John J-O-H-N Tony T-O-N-Y underscore Wow. Love it. Yes. Brilliant. That's so chic. <laughs> Thank you. I love Thank it. You. And we will we will post the uh, Indiegogo link on, uh, I guess I said, on the Instagram on post Instagram. and we'll, we'll get it out. Highly recommend everyone go donate if they have any any uh, any funds available. Any coins. We all know any you coins. do. Absolutely. Love it, love it. Uh, Very appreciative. This, uh, this brings us to our, our artistic inspirations for the week. So uh, Catherine has been limited to one. Uh, <laughs> not 15. Uh, but I'll, I'll start it off. And mine was, uh, I listened to a um, an interview recently with uh, Denai Guerrera from, uh, she's most recently in The Black Panther and she was talking about and it's just one little sort of logistical thing when you're reading a script and I challenge actors listening to 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 apply this for the next script or a couple scripts they read. But she she was taught um, when she was getting her MFA at NYU that um, to when you're first reading a script, you read it, it with a childlike wonder. Mm. Um, That's beautiful. uh, She gave the example of when she was younger, her parent reading her a book and just being in amazement and taking up every detail and being in that world. Because a lot of times when you get a script for the first time, especially if it's one that you're about to work on, uh, you'll, you'll tend to focus just on your, your part. You'll be like, Oh, what are these lines that I have to say? And I thought it was a great first approach because You'll absorb the story, what's actually being told. You'll absorb these details, these tertiary details that you wouldn't necessarily pick up if you're just focused on your own part. So 
Yeah. She's awesome. She's, she's oh, yeah, the and best. And in Black Panther. She's so good. incredible. Whoa. Actually, I haven't seen Whoa. it yet. Oh. Everyone dies. And she's a writer, no, too. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I, Eclipsed is amazing. Oh, my yeah, gosh. So, I mean, huge inspiration. Playwright, yes. actor, awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Piera, you are next. Absolutely. Well, recently, I watched Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. Mm. I have watched it more than once. <laughs> How many times? <laughs> it, be honest. Be honest. Okay, like a four. Oh, okay. I love okay. it. Short, but in like quite a tight sort of tight time, time period. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. It's, it's Rebecca Hall, Luke Evans, Luke Evans, who I love. Luke Evans is a fantastic actor. Him. He's a kid. I met him. He's, young, he's amazing. The young woman. The young woman. She's blonde. Bella. Heathcote. Heathcote. Wow. How do you remember all these names? Catherine's just really good at that. I know. <laughs> She is. It's, it was anyway, an, yeah. it's an amazing movie because it's based on a true story. Mm. And Professor yes. Marston created Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is my favorite DC superhero. She's also a feminist icon and she, she speaks to me. And I recently watched, I think, well, I hope all young girls and all women watched Wonder Woman. Mm. And I saw Great this movie. and I Loved saw, it. I was like, oh, it's got Wonder Woman in the title. I've got to watch it. And I didn't really know what to expect, but it's based on a true story. And so Professor Marston is the creator Mm -hmm. of Wonder Woman. And he created Wonder Woman from the relationship he had with two women. Which is dumb, like dumbfounding. You you don't, I didn't really expect that. Weren't the women also like in a relationship with each other? Yes, yes, yes. That's what I mean. So they all three of them were, were in a relationship. So what was so beautiful is that Wonder Woman was born out of heterosexual and homosexual love. Mm. And how empowering I and inclusive not know is that? that? I need to watch this. It's beautiful. I, it's a beautiful film. I love Rebecca Hall. I think she's a very, she's very good talented. actress. She's very talented. And she, you know, she's Peter Hall's daughter, mm. founder of Royal Shakespeare Company. And I highly recommend the off-camera interview with Rebecca Hall because she talks about her experience in that film. Ooh. And yeah. she, yeah, and she talks about uh, filming the sex scenes in uh, that film. Um, highly recommend it. Anyway. Thank you so much. Okay, okay. Catherine? Um, Okay, Um, so this week I have two really quick things. One is, um, I was going to mention this last week. Um, uh, I saw, um, but I had too many last week, so I'm going to use it this week. (laughs) I saw a fantastic woman. Jonathan and I saw it together. So good. It is one of the best movies of the year, if not my favorite. One of favorite. the best performances of the year. Yeah, yeah. If not my favorite I've movie I've been hearing of the year. a lot about this. People oh. are like, you need to go see Fantastic yes. Woman. And I'm it like, is, where? What? Uh, the Angelica. I saw, I, I saw the Angelica. The Angelica. And yo, yo, Angelica. movie pass. If you don't have a movie pass, get, get yourself a movie pass. Do you have a movie pass? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, um, it is one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I think, oh my God. It, okay, so if people don't know it, it's the Chilean 
Oscar foreign film nominee this year mm-hmm. and I had read in the New York Times they do those like the best performance of the year and Daniela Vega um, who is the woman who stars in the film uh, she was on their list of best performance of the year and I thought oh I should really see this movie and not a lot of my friends had seen it and I hadn't seen um, many uh, uh, write-ups about it for me it's only been the last two weeks that I've heard and I just hadn't seen much about it so I was like you know what I should really go and see it because I, I really do try and see best picture all best picture all uh, foreign film mm-hmm. um, yeah. uh, uh, best animated etc um, and so I thought oh, I'll go see that film and I did and it's one of the best movies of the year the way number one the cinematography the performance um, oh my god it's amazing she really should have been nominated for an Oscar she's a DP Oh, I can't remember. Okay. I cannot remember. But all I have to say is that Dan- Daniela Vega... I was Ve- a woman. That was smart. Yeah. Well, Daniela Vega, I... I why... She she is unbelievable Incredible. performance. Yeah. And I, I... Most likely, I'm guessing Frances McDormand's going to win, whom I She love. won the BAFTA. She won yeah, the BAFTA. And I, and I already talked about her on this podcast. I think she's an incredible performance. But I put her, Daniela Vega right up there yeah, with Frances McDormand's performance. She was so good. Anyway... Highly recommend it. The also the realism versus almost supernatural oh surrealism, God, yes. ghost-like sequences. That moment where she's like coming up against the wind on the street. Oh, it's unbelievable. Beautiful. Anyway, highly recommend. You should see that. No spoilers, uh, please. Oh, it's not spoilers. Just trying to close my ears. <laughs> you have to go watch it. I know. And okay. And my other really quick thing is, I just wanted to say that something about going to see theater in New York City, I love so much, especially off. Broadway and off off Broadway shows because I always usually I go and I see people I know in the audience mm. and and or I know people in the show and it's something about the theater community in New York City um, off Broadway off off Broadway that if you go to enough shows and if you uh, you know ones that usually are not too expensive that you can go to and um, I, I love going to see shows where I um, see people in the audience I haven't seen before and that happened twice this past week I just see people that I haven't spoken to in a while and actors in the city and get caught up and so I just I love seeing theater in New York City you that's get, huge for I uh, actors starting out who are like listening to this podcast yeah like as much as you can try and see theater because like, like you're saying you'll see people in the audience and that's and like, the way to build up a network yeah, that's, and that's just, what you want to do is build up a network whether yeah. it's with friends or other professionals mm-hmm. you want to have that so you can continue to move forward and push yourself exactly and I'd also say that as much as I can I try to get to the theater at, I mean pretty early just because hey if I don't know anybody I'll hang out by like the bathrooms. Okay, that's <laughs> what I do. I chat the to bar. everyone. I, I know, chat I to everyone. Honestly, I'm a big chatter. Catherine but... loves doing that. It's it's one. <laughs> I think it's one of your strongest skills. Seriously. But I, I don't do it like I, I hope I don't do it in an obnoxious no, way. No, no, no. You're just not embarrassed or shy about saying hi and telling someone that you appreciated their work and like that's how you meet people. Thank you. That's very yeah. nice of you to say. But um, anyway, I just I highly recommend going to see as many shows, free theater, going to grad shows, going to grad school shows mm-hmm. in the city, just because you get to if you. You get there early enough you can get to see if you recognize people in the audience and i think if you do it in a genuine specific way you can talk to people about their work and i just saw homecoming queen at atlantic this past week and got to meet the playwright and so she was cool. so nice and the play was unbelievable anyway go see theater john anthony yes um as many people online have been talking about queer eye on netflix it's which, so good it is so good <laughs> oh my god and I love yes it. Uh, queer eye for Preparing for the Straight Guy was the original back in 2003. 2003. 2003. Yeah, early 2000s. 
And this is the reboot. And I think I maybe caught a few episodes when I was younger, but I didn't really watch it. So this is my first like real experience with the show. But it's awesome. And they have five uh, gay guys on the five. show, the Fab Five. <laughs> and they come, they were, this season, I don't know if they'll continue the show. I think they will because it's super popular. It's already renewed for season two. Amazing. Yeah, if they're not renewed for another Amazing. 10 seasons, season I will two. throw a hissy fit. Uh, I think that they're going to... Or I hope that they might change locations, like and move around. Yes, America. yeah. Well, like, you know, That'd be awesome. I, I'm pretty sure I know what's in Georgia. The tax cuts. That's oh. why I'm, I'm pretty sure that's oh. why. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. I'm sure that's why know, they're doing all in Georgia. If they're based in Atlanta, but then they travel around to the, the boroughs. The, yeah, the area. I love it. You know, and, and I, I, get I, I bunch recognize of different some people places. from different walks of life. They like go in there. Someone nominates them. They go in there. The Fab Five, <laughs> um, and they give them. A make better, as they've been calling. I've been watching yes. interviews. They don't a call what? it a make over. They call it a make better. Make better. <laughs> I yes. love that. Yes, they go in. So much they, nicer. they change their clothes. Their their house renovates. Which like beautiful renovations. This but sounds so Bobby, um, they alter certain like personality traits and yeah. like in like a like a alter personality. No, but they. they what do you mean? They yeah, they talk, do. They 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 talk with the guys about you know building confidence and like finding yeah. how they can build upon like aspects of their life that are like maybe under fulfilled at the moment. Um, and then they do like food and wine and all that stuff. So it's like a very well rounded experience. But the best part about the show, I think, is like watching the fab five interact with each other and like have such a good time with each mm. other and my favorite person yes. who is not anthony even though i love him because he's so beautiful but <laughs> my wonderful. favorite person on the show is jonathan who oh, does the hair and grooming i love tan too tan he's too. coming on great. the next episode of the podcast oh stop <laughs> but jonathan i think his last name is van ness jonathan van ness mm-hmm. follow him on instagram he's hilarious oh and my amazing God. he loves figure skating he it's does amazing but yeah, he's like super great, and and um, I think a really positive representation of what it means to be like a femme gay man, and have so much confidence and be awesome and just totally be yourself and so excel earnest. at like what you do in life. I think he's fantastic, and I love him. They got five really great guys with they such did. different personalities and backgrounds. They mm-hmm. get to bring their background to the show. It's so wonderful. Yeah, it's and amazing. There's okay. a Pakistani gay man on the show. Yeah. It's so cool. Who's married to a Mormon. Yeah. It's fantastic. Watch it. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you all for joining us. And this brings us to the end of the episode. For helpful outside resources and links to where we found our information, go to our website, www.rejectionpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at rejectpod. You can even email us at rejectionpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you have any questions, comments, or further insights into queer art and casting. And join us next week when we talk to two company members of a New York-based acting company. Finally, if you have been enjoying these episodes so far, we encourage you to go rate us on iTunes and give us a little review. It helps other actors. And you know what? Other people. I thought about this the other day. Other people who are not actors reach us. Artists. Artists. Actors. Business people. (laughs) Anyone. All walks of life. Okay. Anyway. um, uh, Reach us. So give us a nice little review. Okay. Thank you. Really. Thank you two for joining us. Thank thank you so much for having us. It's been wonderful. topic to talk about. And you're going to be on again. I can just tell. (laughs) Anyway, thank you again. And thank you all for joining us on A Streetcar Named Rejection. I am Catherine Mullins. And I'm Andrew L. Ricci. See you next time.